hey, have you ever really thought about what's the purpose of life? Or maybe even to bring it home to yourself, you know, what is my purpose in life? They asked some kids what, what they thought the purpose of life was, and they would say things like um, to make friends or to have a, a nice family or to eat dessert every night. You know, that would be a great purpose in life. If you're a student, a teenager, yours might be to have a huge social media following, to be an influencer, to be somebody that, you know, gets paid because people are following you, or maybe to be to, to love and be loved, maybe to even be somebody that's wealthy. As you're older, you know, you start thinking about, what is my purpose in life? Why am I here? If you ask the Dalai Lama, he'll tell you that the purpose of life is to be happy. That's the purpose. But I like better what Ralph Waldo Emerson says. He says, the purpose of life is not to be happy, but to be useful to be honorable, to be compassionate, to have it make some difference that you have lived and lived well. You know, life has a way of kind of changing our focus from that which is really not the most important. It's, it's not intentional. It's not something that we, we really plan on it happening, but sometimes, it, you know, we kind of get focused on, you know, how we look and, and what we own and maybe what others think about us. We, we get sidetracked. Life is a way of creating distractions and moving us from the most important, which really is what is my purpose. Well, God talks about purpose and in a lot of different places, and if we asked you to respond, we'd have a lot of different answers. But let me draw your attention for a moment to one particular passage. It's found in Micah, the sixth chapter, verse number eight. God speaks to the prophet, and this is what he says, and the prophet communicates. He has told you, O man, what is good, and, and what does the Lord require of you? Now, the word require means expected. And it really deals with somebody in authority, a particular person that has the power to expect something. So, so he says, what does the Lord require of you? To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly before your God. To do justice, to love kindness, to, to you know, be a person that really walks humbly. But I like what the message says. I don't like it in everything, but in this verse it says these words. It says, but he has already made it plain how to live, what to do, what God is looking for in men and women. It's quite simple. Do, do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. And don't take yourselves too seriously. Take God seriously. When I look at that, I, I see God's heart on purpose to justice, love, kindness, to walk humbly. But let me just focus on that phrase out of the Message Bible, because I think for what we're going to talk about for a couple moments, it fits perfectly, that we are to do what is fair and just to our neighbor. What I love about this church and the leadership of this church is that's their heart. I just got to say to you that God must love you a lot to give you Pastor John and Stephanie as your, your pastors and, and uh, because they're amazing people. 
their heart for you, their heart for God, their heart to see the gospel spread around the world. Oh my word, you guys are so blessed. And all of the behind the scenes, the leadership, Matt and Chris and Amber and others that are serving this church, you have amazing, amazing leaders here at Gateway Fellowship. And I just want to tell you, thank you so much for volunteering to help when Hurricane Harvey hit Houston. There were some of you that went down and you volunteered and served with Convoy of Hope and and helped us meet needs of those that were hurting. Just a few years back, we did a big community outreach right here in San Antonio. And some of you got involved and 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 gathered together with pastors and leaders and, and helped San Antonio know the church is alive and well and that you love them. You've given money to help convoy during disasters and, and your kingdom builders. That's an astounding opportunity for you to get involved to help those that are desperate and hurting. And let me just say, on behalf of Hal Donaldson and the entire convoy team, man, we want to tell you thank you, thank you, thank you for partnering with us and believing in us that we can change the world and make a difference. Thank you for that. We live in a time where there's a huge outcry for justice. People around the world and even in this country are crying out for justice. I like what Dr. Walter, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And whatever affects one directly affects all directly. Oh, how many know there are a lot of injustices around the world? I mean, if you look at what's happening today, let me give you just a few stats. Every 30 seconds, a child is aborted somewhere in the world. Every 10 seconds, a child dies from hunger-related diseases. Every 40 seconds, someone dies from suicide around the world. There are 20 to 30 million that are in sex slavery. And did you know that many of them are children that are eight and younger? 80% of the world lives on $10 or less per day. How many know that's an injustice? That there are people that are barely surviving. Over over 10 million children will die every year from a lack of water, a lack of food, nutritious food, or clean water. In fact, do you know that one out of three around the world do not have access to clean water? That's an injustice. That's an injustice that our neighbors around the world are living such a hard life. That's why Convoy has worked so hard to do what is fair and just these past 25 years. You see, this is our anniversary. And Convoy of Hope in the last 25 years have helped over 115 million people around the world by providing clean water, food, uh, necessary items uh, during disasters. We have preached the gospel to 115 million around the world. That's a miracle. In fact, do you know that in 2018 that we have responded to 379 disasters here and around the world? And just in, just in 2018, Convoy responded to 39 disasters. 39. As you know, Hurricane Dorian hit the Bahamas. 
convoy was on the move before it even arrived. We were already pulling our supplies from our warehouse together so that we could respond to that disaster. And our team, when they, they finally were able to fly into the Bahamas, they said that they were met by several things that uh, really confronted them. The first was the heat. It was unbelievably hot and humid. And there are 70,000 people in the Bahamas that are, have no home. They lost everything. 70,000 people lost it all. And so they were building these small little structures, whatever they could get to get out of the heat. The second thing was that the smell of death was there. You see, they didn't have any place to put bodies. So many of the bodies, they would just throw a tarp over them or a sheet over them and they'd leave them. And so that death wafted into the air and you could smell death. The other was the unbelievable hopelessness. People were gathered at the airport. They were trying to get out of there, trying to get a flight to get out because they lost everything and there's no way they could rebuild. They didn't have the dollars to do it. And they were trying to get to someplace safe. Convoy has distributed. We've already flown into the Bahamas over 627,000 pounds of emergency supplies such as food, water, hygiene kits. Uh, we've flown in um, uh, water purifying systems so that we can purify the water. We have provided cleaning supplies and other items. We've helped almost 6,000 families, over 20,000 individuals on six different islands. We partner with 31 churches and we are going to continue long-term care. See, we don't just show up and just drop supplies, but we stay engaged for the long haul. In fact, we're still in Puerto Rico. Remember the hurricane that hit? 20% of Puerto Rico still does not have power. 20%. And they still don't have running water. Convoy now is in the rebuilding process. We're going to churches and we're putting roofs on churches. We're helping people get their homes back up and running. And in fact, you know what I love is that Convoy is doing block parties connected to churches so that we can provide resources to those that need it, but they can also celebrate and say, the church is alive and well. We love you and we want you to know that. So they're doing block parties all over Puerto Rico and sharing the love of Jesus. It's amazing. Convoy right now has partnered with the NHCLC in a joint effort to help at the border. Listen, we can argue all we want about, about, you know, the whole border issue, but how many know that there are people already coming across and they're hungry and they're hurting and they're desperate, and so that's the greatest opportunity for the church to step into something and to touch the lives of people. So we've been responding to churches and leaders that have been asking for resources to help those that have crossed the border and are, that have been in the process by the government and then going someplace else, we've been able to engage with them so that they can hear the gospel. Convoy has sent 12 semi-truck trailers that have been loaded with baby supplies and food and water, hygiene kits, socks, shoes, and oh, more importantly, Spanish Bibles. 
And so their first touch because of the overcrowding is that the government has asked the church, would you house these that have crossed the border? We'll process them. You only need to keep them from 24 hours to 48 at the max, and then we'll process them, and then they'll go to wherever they're going to go once they have their court date. And Convoy has been helping the local church be able to respond and share Jesus with them and help them and love them so that they can know that God cares about them. We have delivered loads to McAllen, to El Paso, to Las Cruces, to Deming, New Mexico. And our goal is to meet the needs of people. It's over a million dollars worth of, of emergency product. You know Why? Because Jesus cares about the hurting, the broken, the hungry, and the marginalized. Oh, but you know what? Convoy's desire is not just to feed bellies. Because how many know that if you just feed a belly, but you don't, you don't teach them about Jesus, you don't share the hope that you have, you can send somebody into eternity on a full belly, but not know the truth. And so we have a strategy to get people out of poverty. You know what we do? First of all, it's our children's feeding initiative program. We are feeding right now over 200,404 kids every day, their only meal of the day, educating them and teaching them about Jesus Christ. And you know what? We do that on $10 a month per child. How many of you know you can't even eat at McDonald's for $10 hardly? But we're able to feed them, educate them, teach them about Jesus. You know why? We want them out of the cycle of poverty because there's no dignity in poverty. We also have an ag program where we're training farmers in order to increase the yield of their crops. And when they get their harvest, you know what they do? They tie 10% of their harvest back to convoy. And we use that to feed the children in their country. I mean, I mean, no, that's a, that's a God thing right there. We have helped over 23,000 farmers increase their yield. We have empowered women to start businesses. We've helped almost 17,000 women to start businesses. And you know our success rate is 96% of those that start a business, they still have their business going today. You see, when you... Give to one day to feed the world. When you become a kingdom builder, you're not just giving and putting it in the pockets of, of us. You're, you're doing just what it, you're doing what is just and right for your neighbors. When you give today a day's wage, you're showing the love of God through kindness and compassion. I agree. We are living in a time of injustice, and people are crying out. For my rights. I want my rights. I have a right. You know what? I agree with them. They have a right to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. They have a right to hear that God's not mad at them, that he loves them and wants to change their life. They have a right to hear about the power of the blood of Jesus and the resurrection power of Christ. They have a right to hear that God is a healer, a deliverer, the author of peace, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. They have a right to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why we have to step into our communities, and into this world with the faith and love of Jesus Christ. That's why it's important that you become a kingdom builder, that you engage in what's going on so that the love of Jesus Christ will be shown. You know what I love about God is that God uses 
ordinary people to change the world. God uses ordinary people. Someone said this, that love is the language deaf can hear and the blind can see. Do you know there are three billion people that do not know the name of Jesus? People say, well, the greatest need today in this world is food or water, that people are hungry or they need something to drink. No, 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 my friend. The greatest need today is not food or water. You know what it is? It's hope. People need hope. They're dying out there without hope because they see no future or tomorrow. You see, when people lose hope, they lose their ability to see a brighter tomorrow and dream for the future. When spouses lose hope, they give up on their marriage. When parents lose hope, they give up on their children. When, when leaders lose hope, they give up on their people, on their business. And when people lose hope, they give up on their dreams and many eventually give up on their life. We can go about 40 days without food, eight minutes without oxygen. We can go three days without water, but let me just submit to you, we can't go a single day without hope. We need hope. The world needs hope. Last year I was in San Paulo Sula in Honduras where I met eight-year-old Eddie. I liked him already because, see, my name is, you know, well, you know, it's Eddie. And I thought there are not a lot of us around, so I want to get to know another Eddie. And so Eddie, eight years old, was living on a garbage dump in Honduras. In fact, in the community where we went, we were at the base of that garbage dump. There was a school there that, that Convoy is providing food and water. We're providing education. We're providing Jesus. And so Eddie is one of those kids that are in the school. And, and a lot of those kids were born from moms that were prostitutes. They were born from families that have lived on that garbage dump. And we were, we were able to rescue this little boy, Eddie. And Eddie, I heard the backstory on his life that Eddie, as a little boy, was out there and he was working in the garbage dump trying to find things that could be recycled and be sold. And here's Eddie as a little boy out there with his family, and they're working this under the shadow of MS-13. You've heard of MS-13, haven't you? MS-13 uh, runs every garbage dump, every garbage dump in Honduras, El Salvador, and Nicaragua. They run them all. And they have slave labor in order to get the recyclables in order to make money. And Eddie was one of those working there. And, 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 and you, you, you can't even believe it unless you see it. But when the garbage trucks come up to the top of the mountain in order to dump their garbage, you'll see people running as fast as they can behind the garbage dump chasing it because they want to jump into the back of it and start rummaging to get the best stuff. Eddie was one of those little boys that when the truck would turn and it would go to back up, Eddie would grab hold of the back and he would jump in the back and he would start rummaging through the garbage. And one day, Eddie wasn't able to get out of that garbage truck fast enough and all that load came down 
crushing little eddy. Frantically, people began to dive into the garbage and pull back all the garbage, and, and they saved Eddie's life. That's the boy that's in our convoy program. And Eddie, when he showed up, he was a mess. He didn't have a dream. In fact, when they asked him, he didn't have one. And finally, he decided his dream, you know what it was? Is to grow up and be a garbage truck driver. That was as big as he could dream. But during this time at school, Eddie's life has been changed. You know why? Because not only is he being fed every day, not only is he being educated every day, but he is being taught about Jesus, and Eddie invited Christ into his life, and today Eddie's a light. He is full of God, and he wants to be an engineer that helps with the infrastructure of Honduras, and he's dreaming, and if you ask him, he'll tell you that when I graduate from school, I'm going to university because my dream is to be somebody that helps change our country. Today in Honduras, two years ago, we were feeding 2,500 kids. Today we're feeding over 13,000 kids, educating them, teaching them about Christ. You know, you hear these stories and you think, what can I really do? August of 1969, a pastor of a small church, he, his wife, his three boys, and one daughter, all were pastoring in a community, and he had made relationship with the other pastors, and, and they decided that it would be better if we could join together and build a, a bigger church and merge our churches together, have greater influence. And so they prayed about it and felt like that was what God wanted so they set up a board meeting, and on the way to the board meeting, the pastor and his wife were driving there, and not far from the church, a drunk driver crossed the center line and hit them head on. The dad was killed instantly. The mom spent six months in the hospital getting put back together because of the damage. Police officers showed up at the house where the babysitters were watching the, watching the three boys and the daughter, called them outside, told them the sad news, and then invited the neighbors to come. And they said, listen, they just lost their dad and their mom is not going to be able to do anything for a while. What are we going to do with these kids? Who's going to help with these kids? And after a time of silence, a man stepped up and he said, we'll take them. His name was Bill Davis. David, Bill Davis lived in a single wide trailer home and he had six of his own in that trailer home. Bill and Levada didn't have a lot, but they realized that what God had given them, they were able to help. And so they invited them in. And when, when these three boys and daughters showed up, Bill was standing at the door with a huge smile on his face, his arms open wide, welcoming these little boys into this family into his house. And they treated them like their own, loving them, going to games, going to practices. They showed the love of God in a tangible way. And because of that, because of their kindness, their compassion, because they did what they could do, today Convoy exists. You see, Hal Donaldson was the oldest of the brothers. 
And God put it in his dream to not allow the hurts and the pains and the the difficulties of his past be something that stops him from doing something for God. No, he began to dream, God, I don't want others to go through what I went through, so I want to help others. And convoy began. And it has made a difference in millions and millions and millions of lives. He chose to live a life filled with purpose. You see, God calls us to do what is fair and just to our neighbors around the world. He calls us to do something that will make a difference. You see, I love that God uses ordinary people. We have this idea that God only uses missionaries or or people like that. Listen, I'm a walking miracle. I should not be standing here right now. You see, if you knew my story, my, my, like my bio dad was a pastor of a church. My mom married, a, and she, her mom was a pastor, and she ended up marrying a pastor, and he had an affair. And, and when I was just 19 months old, he walked out of our lives. Courts ordered him to pay $75 a month to take care of his boy. And I was so valuable, he wrote five checks. He went on with his life, and we were poor. One night my mom woke up, and rats had climbed into my crib, and they were eating on me. So my mom said, I've got to get out of here. And, and she, she went from, uh, from Mississippi to California. And there in California, how many know when you're hurting, it's easy to blame God for your pain? And she began to be mad at God and begin frustrated God and so she she walked away from God and she met my dad who was a navy man he was an alcoholic he was a hyper perfectionist he was angry when he would drive up I'd get sick in my stomach because of how angry he was he put his fist through doors our home was a war zone six years old I was taken in a portable bathroom and molested by a construction worker I grew up in a house where There was a lot of anger. There was a lot of pain. And at 13 years old, I decided the pain wasn't worth it. And so I started doing drugs and alcohol. I spent five years of my life, even though God had blessed me as an athlete, I had colleges looking at me for scholarships as a football player. And God, my life was so in pain that I did drugs and alcohol and I I got high in the morning, I got high in the afternoon, I got high at night. Because how many know, if you hurt enough, you'll do anything to get out of your hurt. If If you're in pain enough, and I was. And I didn't meet Jesus until I was 19 years old, for real. I was walking down a sidewalk. My mom had come back to the Lord. She was serving God. She spent five years on her knees praying for me that I would find Christ. I made my mom's prayer life what it is today. She's an intercessor because of me. Because she lived on her knees praying for me. And at 19 years old, I was walking down the street, and I was high. And God showed up. You say, how do you know God showed up? You were high. Oh, when God shows up, you know. And he he spoke to me in my heart. And he said, aren't you sick of this? I said, I am, but I can't quit. Aren't you sick of this? I, I, I am, but I can't quit. Three times he said it to me. And on the last time, he said, give me your life. Don't worry about that. Give me your life. But I can't quit. Don't worry about it. Give me your life. And at 19 years old, on a sidewalk, 
You see, I've got good news for you. It doesn't matter where your kids may be in God. It doesn't matter where your family may be. God knows how to meet them wherever they are and to arrest them and bring them back to him. He's a big God. He knows how to do that. And God brought me back. At 19, I, I got to hurry up. At 19, I, right on a sidewalk, I said, God, here's my life. I run it in the ditch. Here it is. And God instantly delivered me from drugs and alcohol. And I've been preaching ever since. I'm a walking miracle. I am. You see, the world needs what you have. There's some of you today, we're talking about the world, and you're going, wait, wait, but Eddie, you don't understand. I'm hurting right now. I'm in pain right now. I'm still trying to get over things that have happened in my life. I'm still trying to wrestle through what took place in my life, and I don't know how to fix that. I want you to know something. God loves you, he cares about you, and he wants to change you. He wants to heal you. You may be running from God, but I want you to know something. He's not running from you, and he's not mad at you, and he's not angry at you, and he's not frustrated at you, and he's not looking for a way to get you back. He's looking to bring you in to his love, his compassion, his mercy his forgiveness, his grace. You see, this is why we do what we do. Because all over the world, people don't have hope. They don't have hope. I don't know where you are in your life right now, but can I pause for just a second? Because there are people here, I was preaching a, man, I don't want a rabbit trail. I was preaching... I'm talking out loud to myself. I'm a little strange sometimes, so forgive me. I preached at a Hispanic conference, 800 men. At the end of it, I just felt impressed that there are people here that were so hurting that they were contemplating suicide. And so I said, if that's you, lift your hand up and as God is my witness, half of the men at the conference lifted their hands. And I said, wait a minute, you translated that wrong. Tell it again. Because there's no way this has happened. I, I, you tell them what I just said. He retranslated it. Men started weeping all over the auditorium. God began to do a miracle. You know why? Because he loves you and cares about you and wants you to be whole and to be healed and to be who God designed you to be. You have purpose, you have value. And he wants you to have that kind of life. And I stop for just a second and pray for you? I don't know what you're going through, I don't know what you're dealing with, but can I pray for you that today you'll have a revelation of how dearly loved you are by God your parents may not have expected you, planned on you, or even wanted you, but God did. And he said, you have purpose, you have value. And I want your life to experience the forgiveness, the love, the joy of who I am and how much I love you. See, God didn't send his son to condemn. He sent his son for you to have the opportunity an opportunity to be whole what he designed you to be.
You say, but, but Eddie, you don't understand how messed up my life is. No, I don't need to know. You know why? Because he specializes in taking the least, the lost, the last, and the lowest. And one drop of blood from him can wash away every stain, every sin, all of your past, and give you a new beginning today. That's why we do what we do. Because how many know people need that? And you giving, you sharing, you becoming a, a, a kingdom builder, you becoming one of those that give one day's wage to feed the world. I want you to know something. There are going to be people that are going to be standing before God that are going to know who He is and they're going to be His because of you. Because you stepped in and said, I want to do what is just and right for my neighbors.